Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. This morning we have, we, we, we have a really exciting speaker. I, you know, every time he comes up, I, I, I don't really know what he's going to do. Uh, <laughs> One time he rapped, the other time he chewed stuff. <laughs> so I'm really excited for what he's going to bring. And so would you put your hands together? Would you uh, welcome Pastor Matthew Chen? There right, we go. Thank you. Testing. Good morning, church. I'm just going to jump right in. I'm, I, don't, I didn't plan anything uh, out of the ordinary today. No chewing or no rapping. Uh, but... I just want to show you all what, um, can we have it up on the screen, what I'm going to speak about? Let me get this out. All right. Okay, uh, I've named this uh, message, The Adventure of uh, Travailing Prayer. And and, um, one of the adventures that I've had in my life was, I I have not, other than Bukit Timah Hill, right, I've not climbed a lot of mountains, but the only mountain I've climbed is Mount Kinabalu. Who, who knows where that is? And I have uh, done it amazing t- two times. The first time was, was with a couple of friends. Uh, we decided we have to... So, uh, Sabah is part of Malaysia, but you can't drive there. It's in East Malaysia, a different part of Malaysia. There's West and East Malaysia. You have to, you have to fly there. So, we flew there. We booked uh, a guide to bring us up the mountain. And... Um, it was, how do you describe this? It was, it was really painful. If you have climbed the mountain, yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, after, the, after the mountain climb, you've got to put your legs up on the wall and let, the, let the, all the, rect, uh, what, the acid uh, flow down your legs, uh, the lactic acid, right? And uh, just, uh, it's, it was a very painful thing. And th- I remember saying that at the end of that, I'm not going to climb this mountain ever again. You know, once you've done it once, I can say that, oh, I've done it before, and YOLO, right? Uh, you only live once, you do it once, and you can say that you've done it once, and that's it. But when I got to know Janice, my wife, who is from Sabah, she said that you have to go up the mountain with me again. So I was really hesitant, and I said, uh, actually, I, I didn't show any hesitancy. I said, sure, let's go for it. <laughs> and I did. Um, it was a, again very painful. It was even more painful than the first the first time. But the reason I realized why she wanted me to climb this mountain with her was because she had experienced God on her mountain climbs. Okay, if you don't know Janice, she is not an avid mountain climber, but Mount Kinabalu uh, is very close to her heart, and she has climbed it quite a number of times. Almost 10 times, or maybe 10 times already. So uh, it's like her annual, uh, what do you call that, pilgrimage. She goes up and down twice, I mean, once every year. So she wanted me to go on this adventure with her. Of course, in my mind, I was thinking of my past time, the, the time when I first went, and I was thinking of all the pain. But the thing with adventures or the thing with mountain climbing is you don't think about uh, so much as a transactional thing. 
You know, you don't think of it as, oh, I paid this much and therefore I, I, I need to get this much back. You think of an adventure as something you don't really know what you're going to get, but somehow at the end of it, it's going to be better than before. And, I, and through this climb, it was painful, but I got to know who Janice is uh, more than the two years that I knew her from my Bible school. And uh, that has been a really precious thing. And she wanted to share that with me, uh, with her uh, during the climb, how she has experienced God. Um, just now, um, we talked about, uh, sorry, um, uh, Axel talked about your mountains. You know, there are some fears in your life and the, the, there may be a mountain in front of you. I just want to say that, you know, we always think about wanting to overcome the mountain, but there is a process and sometimes you have to come face to face with your mountain and not for a short time. It's going to be a long time. You're going to come face to face with it and you're going to think, of course, of over overcoming it at the end of it. But sometimes God is saying that I'm building something in you during this time and you need to just uh, walk through it and climb this mountain and go through this, this uh, time of uh, trial and fear. Well, so they say courage is not the absence of fear. Um, and and that's, that's really true. I don't know what's the second part. Courage is not the absence of fear, but... You'll triumph over it or something else. I, I'm not sure. But uh, it is still going through it even when you are feeling that fear. And sometimes God is calling us to embrace that fear. That's how we overcome it. Um, so that's why I've named this the adventure of travailing prayer. Travail, the travailing prayer is something that is not really commonly uh, spoken of in church. And um, we talk about prayer and uh, that's needful. But today, I just felt like it is the season to talk about traveling prayer, and it's something that's been on my heart for some time. So let's just open with the word of prayer, okay? Father, we give you thanks for today, for the opportunity to come, Lord. I pray for open eyes and open ears to hear the message. And I pray that you open our mouths today also, Lord, to take in whatever, Lord, uh, you have in store for us for this year. We want to give you thanks and we commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. So why travailing prayer? Uh, I came to, about one year ago, I came to the city, and the first message I spoke about was this message, if you can remember, it's called Stuck. Um, and what was it? Uh, there was a second part, Stuck, like holding the tension between the now and the not yet. You know, there's the not yet of our lives, the, the places that we want to go, that God has promised us that he will bring us. And there's now in our lives where we are right now, the, the surrounding that we look, we see every day. And not all the time, it's easy to see the end, but how to hold that tension and how to stay there. And during this time when I was preparing for this message, I was in that crash, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the children's crash, praying. And I was praying for this message. And as I begin to pray, I, pr I remember praying for the city. And I was praying for our future. I was praying for what God has in store for us in the future. And beginning to just contend with God. Beginning to just pull down whatever is in heaven, down onto the earth. And to just, uh, just praying that heaven will come down. That God's kingdom will come down from heaven to the earth and onto the city. 
And I remember that as how, while I was just praying for that, right, and just advancing, it seemed like I was advancing into enemy, enemy territory, suddenly I stopped and this great sense of loneliness came upon me. And I looked around. It's as if I looked around and I saw that there was no one fighting this war with me, this, this prayer war. I looked around. There were people with me, but there wasn't anyone praying for the city. So I was stumped because of the many wonderful things that I have uh, seen happen here. I did not understand uh, how is it that, you know, here we are, we're doing a spiritual work, we're doing the work of God, and could it be that there was nobody praying? So I went to find out. I asked uh, Christine, I asked um, uh, Tim and Axel, you know, are, this, are there any prayer groups here? So there are some prayer groups. There's the men's prayer group, there's the women's prayer group. But uh, they, they usually pray for each other, and once in a while, they have a word for Andre. And they tell, tell Andre this word uh, and uh, encourage him. But still, I was just struck with this uh, feeling that, hey, how, how is it uh, um, there's no one praying? So the other thing that I learned from it was that so prayer is not a transactional thing. It's not, though there is that element where we sow, only when we sow, we will begin to reap, right? But then, sometimes the grace of God comes in. The grace of God is present among us, and I, and I sense that great favor upon this church, that there are so many things that we do not deserve and we did not work hard for or, or spend any effort, but the presence and, and the, the, the favor, and we sense the benefits of God in this place. So what I learned also is that it's not really up to us. It's up to God, right? God is the giver of all that we yearn for, all that we want to see. But yet, we're going to talk about prayer today. So this was significant because travail or labor, the other name for uh, travail, is what takes place right before giving birth. Okay, I didn't expect that there will be so many newcomers, but uh, welcome newcomers. The first time I spoke, I talked a little bit about giving birth, and today it seemed like we're going to talk about giving birth again. And there are some people who are about to give birth, so that's wonderful. Um, so labor is what takes place before giving birth. And I felt that the city, we are at the threshold of entering into our promised lands. We are right there at the River Jordan, and we are about to just enter into the, the plan big purposes of God that we have, have for us, not just in number, but also in maturity, in depth in us. Uh, and uh, we need to know that labor or travail in prayer is needful for us to call down these things which are not as though they were and to pull down through prayer God's purposes from heaven unto earth. But yet, I, I, I was sensing this loneliness that there was no one. So God wants to involve us in calling out with our mouths His purposes for this house. It's not that He cannot accomplish His purposes without us, but it is that He would not. There's a difference between cannot and would not. He desires to make us co-creators of what this house of God should be or will be in the next five to ten years. And through prayer, this will become a reality. Moving on, in Galatians chapter 4, Paul speaks disappointingly to the Galatian church. 
in the, um, verse 16, he says, Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And he, he, he says that he travails in prayer. He travails in prayer for them, praying that uh, instead of, um, oh, sorry, no, the, the church had begun to live not by what he had taught them, but he, they had begun to live more by the flesh and more by the effort. And he wanted to teach them and to bring them back to uh, living by the Spirit. And so this is uh, what he says in verse 19. It says, My little children, not just my children, but my little children, for whom I labor for, labor in birth again. So this is not the first time that he has prayed and labored in prayer for them. Until Christ is formed in you. So there is a need to labor and there is a need to travail in prayer until Christ is formed fully in our church. And Paul himself has prayed, and I'm inviting that all of us can pray for our church and begin to give birth to what God's purposes are for us. And uh, yeah, it says that my little children... So there's, there's this part of us that may be not matured yet, and we're coming into ourselves. And even though we are uh, children, that means we have been birthed forth already, but yet there needs to be continual birthing. Do you know what I'm saying? So they're children, that means they have already come into being, but yet there is continuous. That growing into who Christ is in us requires more and more birthings. I'm going to move on. In Kings, 1 Kings chapter 18, we see how Elijah... Okay, this is, this is uh, quite interesting because Elijah actually climbs a mountain to, to do this. Okay, you see how Elijah works together with God to speak to the culture of the age. He began to speak to King Ahab and the people of God through something, and it's called a drought. A difficult time where there is no more rain and no more water on the land. And only he, it says can call back the rain again on, onto the earth. So it happens that after a series of events and after a couple, uh, a long period of time, he heard the sound of abundance of rain. It says there in uh, verse 41, go up and eat and drink for there is the sound of abundance of rain. I do not believe that he actually heard with his physical ears the sound of rain, but it happened in the spirit. He could see, he could sense, he could uh, know that there is something coming forth uh, ahead of him, but it has not happened yet. So he was listening in the spirit. And what did he do? The first thing he did was to climb back up Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel is the place where he had one many victories, uh, well, the victory over the, the, the prophets of Baal. And he climbed back up there. And the, first thing he, and the first thing he did was to bow to the ground and take up the position of a birthing woman, putting his, knee, his face between his knees, uh, as it says in uh, verse 42. So this, this sounds a little bit like what, what Andre did with... Uh, Amy, right? They just came back from, from Club Med. He wanted her to know where he had uh, experienced God uh, right there in Club Med, not because he wanted to enjoy the, the jet skiing and all that. 
And it also happened with me when I want, and when Janice wanted to bring me up the mountain to share with me her experiences with God. And, and so here, Elijah goes up onto the mountain where he had experienced God and he began to pray. So when we begin to sense that there is something ahead of us, not just our church, but for, for us, what we need to do is to come and bow down in prayer and begin to birth forth the purposes of God. Not everybody will do that. Some people will go up and eat and drink like King, King Ahab. They will celebrate. Uh, but I think Elijah knew that when God spoke to him, God was asking him to come and pray and to give birth um, to his purposes. So he began to pray. Six times his prayer was to no avail as his servant reports that there was no rain. But on the seventh time, as he persevered through the travailing process, finally a cloud as small as a, small, as a man's hand appeared and the abundance of rain begin to fall, began to fall. Do you want to see God's rain come upon your land, upon your family, upon your health, upon your desires, hopes, and aspirations? Then we need to persevere in, in prayer. And we don't just persevere in prayer uh, so that we can tahan through the trial, so that we can get through it. But in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the travail and the, the trial and tribulation, God is calling us in the midst of the contraction to push, to push in prayer, to uh, begin to pray out God's purposes in our lives. And I think that... Uh, that is what we need to do as a church. Let's move on. Miriam Webster divine, defines travail as painful or laborious effort and labor in childbirth. Now, there's a difference between prayer and travailing prayer. God's will is established first in heaven before materializing on the earth. Through prayer, we have God-given authority to call down God's will in heaven down to earth. Just a show of hands, how many of this makes sense to people here? Some of you understand that when, when we pray, we're actually pulling down uh, God's purposes on, on, in heaven onto the earth. That's why we pray uh, in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's already been done in heaven. And he wants us to pray so that it can be materialized or it can take place in the physical realm where we live in. Perhaps the best way, and, and birthing prayer is, is similar. Not only does it bring your dream out of incubation into reality, it changes us in the process. Pregnancy changes us. Pregnancy changes us in many ways during, during pregnancy and after pregnancy. I, I speak like I've been pregnant before, <laughs> right? No stretch marks or anything, but... Uh, but I have been pregnant with prayer. And uh, that's what I'm going to share with you all today, my experience with pregnancy in prayer, okay? And I have kind of vi vi uh, vicariously experienced childbirth uh, through Genesis birthing experience. Okay, all that to say that perhaps the best way to define travailing prayer is to compare it with the actual labor in the birth process. Okay, this is not anywhere, uh, okay, so I, 
I'm using my experience and uh, to, 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 to share about this. It's not something that you can find in detail in the Bible or on the internet, uh, but the, I'm, I'm trying to compare the actual labor process with our travailing prayer process. Okay, so forgive me and be, be patient with me as I take you through this laborious time. All right. So I will describe each stage briefly. Firstly, for physical labor in physical birth, followed by its equivalent in spiritual labor in spiritual birth, or what I have called travailing prayer. For some, it will not be foreign, but for others, it may require some imagination on your part for now, until you have experienced it for yourself in prayer. Okay, okay the first stage is opening. Labor is what takes place right before birth. <laughs> It starts with stronger than usual contractions and the cervix dilates from 0 to 10 cm. The pushing doesn't begin. I'm just going to keep going on. I know you guys are feeling a bit of uh, awkwardness. Until the cervix is fully dilated. I, okay, this is not hospital. Huh? So that crowning can occur. Okay, so that crowning can occur. Crowning is when the baby's head comes uh, to, the, to the opening of the birth canal. All right, And so also when we engage in travailing prayer, our mouths begin, begin to open up. The opening of birth in the spirit is our mouth. Okay, uh, track with me. Beginning at the mouth, as we pray in the spirit, our throats and our chests begin to open up as well as the Holy Spirit takes over. This requires some imagination until you, expect, you have experienced it. All this does not happen to us unconsciously, all right? And we are very consciously opening and speaking with our mouths. In a sense, we are co-working with God to speak out God's purposes. And it may be over our career, over our homes, over our church, but God has His plans and purposes for these different arenas of our life, and they are incubated in our spirit. If I get to physically locate where our spirit is, I would locate it somewhere in the core of our being, somewhere around here, well, in our bellies, I would say, as the KJV would say, belly. Um, so, so there needs to be an opening from our belly all the way to our mouths as we begin to speak forth through prayer, groanings, through tongues, the plans and purposes of God. In prayer, we start first by seeing with our sanctified imagination, right? Only the Spirit can give us uh, what He wants to do in the, in the future, and we need to use our sanctified Im imagination to see what is ahead of us. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see what the naked eye cannot. So when I say that our rib cages open up, the rib cage does not literally open up, but as I begin to pray, I sense that uh, God begins to open up uh, ourselves so that there can be some kind of a birth that takes place from our belly all the way to our mouth. So there's an opening up of the, of the spiritual birth canal. And spiritual birth requires us to use our spiritual eyes to see. So uh, track with me. I'm just trying to paint a picture here. So the stages of prayer. Next, next slide. The first stage. Uh, next slide. The first stage is uh, opening. The service opens. Second stage is when you start to push. Okay, so we don't push until there is crowning. Right, ladies? 
so <laughs> I guess this is what Axel was talking about, right? Doing something out of the ordinary. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to. Well, I did mean to, but uh, so here it is. There's crowning and it's ultra painful and the baby finally exits the birth canal. So in stage two, uh, labor takes place when the cervical opening is fully dilated and the head of the baby locks in. This is called crowning. This is when we begin to push and we begin to push hard. I've just got to get over this, okay? The doctors and midwives put you in a squatting position. Your knees are raised towards your face, what I believe to be the best position for birth. And the best time to push is when? Contractions come. This is when it becomes agonizingly painful that words cannot describe it. Because of the pain and the deep pushing that is needed, groanings are probably more useful, actually, and apt at that time. Words cannot describe how it feels at the same time, and maybe a groan or a moan would, would be stronger an expression. When the apex of the pain has been reached, very soon the head and the shoulders are exposed as well, the head and shoulders of the baby. So the, the equivalent in prayer, at this stage, travailing prayer really becomes travailing prayer. You have, begun, you have been praying in the spirit for some time already, and your mouth, throat, and ribcage have already been opened up for your prayers to be mixed in with God's plans in your belly. That's why I visualize it to be. The intensity and volume of your praying have also increased, and there's a sense that you're praying from your belly. I don't know how to describe it, but only when you experience it, okay? This is when we begin to push in prayer, and that's what we're talking about, travailing prayer. Some people call it, also when, when, when spiritually you give birth to whatever God has in store for you, there will be a release. There will, you will sense a release in the spirit. You will sense a breakthrough, if I may call it, a breakthrough in the spirit. And uh, suddenly there is a, a, that, that emotion of joy and that uh, emotion of, of release. That's how you know that uh, something has been birthed in the spiritual realm. Uh, anybody? Make sense to anybody? Experienced that before? So, okay, I'm not the only one who has uh, so-called given birth before, all right? There's some uh, of you who, who are also experienced here. Men. Um, stage three. Stage three is when lungs open up to breathe. The baby's lungs open up to breathe. The placenta is delivered. The umbilical cord is clipped. So this requires much lighter labor as the placenta is being exposed. The umbilical cord is then clipped. The baby no longer receives all her nutrients from her mummy directly, but breathes his own air and is able to use his mouth to ingest the food uh, or the, the breast milk. In a sense, the baby is switched from one environment to another environment, from the spirit realm to the physical realm. So right after we give birth, sometimes we think, oh, job done, we're done, that's all. But no, the labor has not finished. Stage three, according to, uh, what's that, Mayo Clinic or something like that, is when, uh, <laughs> is when the placenta is being delivered, all right? We still need to continue to pray after there's a release in the spirit. And that's to help your baby, your dream, your plan or your purpose to come out and get acclimatized to this new environment that he has just been birthed into. All right, 
stage three. <laughs> so the equivalent in travailing prayer is the delivery of a dream requires labor and labor only ceases when the baby has been ushered out. And, and this, pro this third stage can begin with uh, a thanks. No, thank you, God, in advance for this baby that you have given me, for this dream that you have birthed forth in me in prayer. Uh, thank you, and may it come to the physical realm to manifest in our realm as soon as, uh, as, soon as possible. Continue to pray steadily in the Spirit with full assurance that His plans will come into being and fruition. Continue to be led by the Spirit on how else to pray to usher in God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Wow. That's a big clap. Yay. I'll clap for myself. <laughs> All right. Um, later on, we're going to have a time of prayer. Uh, and we're going to begin to birth forth God's purposes for our church and, and for your own lives as well. So I just want to share one or maybe two stories as much as we have time uh, for, for this. The first story is, so I received uh, this word about travailing prayer. It's uh, in that room there. And it was a bit significant for me because I had not heard any message about travailing prayer except one 20 years before. And when I, heard, when I heard God say travailing prayer, straight away this, 20 year, uh, this sermon from 20 years ago came back to me and I, I said, uh, I've got to look for, for this book. And miraculously, after 20 years, I found this book by Mary Alice Islip about, there's a part that talks about travailing prayer, on my bookshelf, even after moving to Sabah and coming back uh, after 10, 20 years. So... Um, I felt that it was significant, and uh, finally I felt, uh, so this is the time that we, uh, we have the opportunity to hear about this and to pray God's purposes, uh, not just for this year, uh, for, but for this whole decade, I think. My first experience with uh, travailing prayer, the, the, the last, in, in 2019, was during the Camp XL. Prior to that, my prayer life was just, like, like that. It was quite, of a, quite much, much of a plateau. Uh, maybe one, one thing would be because I couldn't find with children a place to pray and to pray hard and, you know, that might make people look at you in a different way, look, look funny at you. And, uh, and this was one of the times, it was during the camp, we were having an extended time of free worship. And I began to pray in the spirit, uh, began to pray God's will over my life, uh, gonna pray for the camp, pray for our church. And then suddenly I felt like I needed to go into a different level of prayer, like a, a notch up. And I began to pray declarative prayers. Like I began to declare God's kingdom come and all kinds of things. Uh, there uh, during the camp, I was on my knees, I was praying from my belly, if you would, if I could say that. And I was just giving birth to what I believe to be giving birth to what God has in plan for my life and, and for the church. And uh, through that, I experienced, not for many, many years, a sense of being fueled by the Holy Spirit 
And when we went into a time of ministry, you know, words of wisdom, words of knowledge just begin to, to flow forth as we begin to minister to the church uh, uh, during the altar call. And uh, I kind of knew that it was, there was some kind of birth taking place. And I just want to say that through that, I learned that travailing prayer changes you just as pregnancy is going to change you. Travailing prayer will change you. And it will change you into what you may not like uh, to see, but God would like that to be made in you because it's needful for the dream to live on uh, even after birth. What I'm saying is, so your body goes through different changes during pregnancy, right? And God is preparing you not just to develop the baby in you over nine months, but also after birth to, to get you prepared for that dream or that plan or that purpose. So it will change you. Second thing, uh, uh, second experience is during the men's retreat. So I had a wonderful time during the men's retreat. God was so present and, and I felt that there was some kind of a spiritual shift. And this spiritual shift was something I could not have uh, conceived that I, I didn't know what I need. I needed, I knew that I was somewhere in a rut somewhere, but I didn't know how to get out. And, uh, but God knew, but God knew. So during the men's retreat, we went to Bintan. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, I felt like it was my job to go at first because I was the only staff during men's meeting and I wanted to do my job, you know, uh, do what I needed to do as a staff. And I went and also mixed with that, I wanted to just have fun with the rest of the brothers, uh, people who are just running hard after the Lord. So I went after I got my visa from uh, Janice and uh, during one of the soaking times, <laughs> you know, you need visa, right, to go to Bintan. You need another visa from your wife also. So, uh, so we had this, uh, a couple soaking times and in one of the soaking times, as I was trying to encourage uh, another brother of mine who was giving me words, uh, um, who was giving me words of prophecy, Suddenly, the Spirit of God came down and I begin to weep and I begin to feel like God is doing something inside me, some kind of vibration taking place, if I may just describe it. And uh, God was shifting me in some sense and, and breaking me out of my, my shell of, of, of sorts. So over time... I had locked certain parts of my life uh, unknowingly and I, I, I thought I was doing it for the sake of other people, for others. But they, these things that I locked up were fundamental to who I was as a person. And God needed me to break out of that in order to, to be who I am. Sorry, I'm so philosophical and so, uh, what do you call that? And uh, that was what the shift that happened in me during the men's retreat uh, that I felt uh, I couldn't have manufactured on myself because I did not know what I need. I don't know how many of you all today, you know, you feel like you're in a rut, you feel like you're stuck in, but you don't know the way out like I, I was. And only one person knew and that was God. God knew what you needed and he delivered it 
at the very point of time when I was giving a word of encouragement, actually. So the point is that as you are being pour, as you are pouring out, you will be poured into. Picture of our men's retreat. As you pour out, you will be poured into. I did not know what I needed. I couldn't have asked for it with my mouth in prayer. But as I begin to uh, pray for or, or encourage my brother, God began to pour it out in me and begin to release me. So right after the men's retreat, I was just processing, you know, what just happened to me here? I, uh, not just me, but a couple people affirmed that there was some kind of a shift that, that took place. And I remember that there in that room in the crash, I remember that I was praying for the men's retreat. Before the men's retreat, I was praying for everybody else that was coming for the men's retreat except myself. So that, that came back to me and I realized that, hey, I didn't know what I needed for myself. But as I began to pray for others, God began to intercede and begin to do that thing that I needed in me. In a moment's time, we're, we're going to pray for the church. And if you know what to pray for yourself, great, pray for yourself. There's some of you, some of us also that, uh, you know, as if you are a Christian and the Holy Spirit lives in you, God's purposes are in you. They are in you. But we cannot, for some of us, envision what it may be for this year or for this whole next season of our lives. Uh, for some reason or other, we're just not able to visualize it. As we pray, you know, I just want to ask that um, later that you also seek and ask God, you know, to show you what these plans may be. What these plans may be, uh, may, may look like uh, in the future. So as you pour it out, you will be poured into and travailing prayer will change you. Before we go into that prayer time, I wanted to share something with you that I just found out this week only. I was, I was uh, uh, something came up on my feed. It was a video of this guy called Troy Brewer. He was talking about the year that we are in now, 2020. Troy Brewer is a prophetic guy. I mean, all of us are prophets, but in, uh, prophetic. But, uh, but anyway, he just spoke about this year. Okay, this is the year 2020, right? in the Greco-Roman calendar. Uh, but in the Hebrew calendar, it is 5780. Okay, I don't always talk about this. I, I just, uh, you know, found out about it. And the, the year 5780 uh, corresponds to the word pay, P-E-Y, pay. And this is how it looks like. This is the year pay, the, the number 80. It's actually for the whole decade, I think. And pay in Hebrew means mouth. It means mouth. The word of God says that death and life are in your mouth, right? The words that you say, that you, it contains death and life. And this is, this is applicable, applicable not just this year, but for all time because it's in the word of God. But this year, there's going to be a special emphasis on it. According to Troy Brewer, I just want to show you something about this picture, okay? Uh, so on the left, you see the letter pay, but there's, in the white space there, something contained within the letter pay. And it's the letter bet. And bet means 
house in Hebrew. So I think that today as we begin to pray for this house and we begin to pray for your own house, uh, God is going to pour out something. God is going to give birth to something uh, in, uh, in our church. You know, um, I'm not sure how much significance there is, but I mean, if it's, I'm just willing to, we're going to do it anyhow. Uh, we're going to pray for our, our church. And this is what we, I just went through with you, the three, the three stages. Can we go to the next slide or the, the not this one, uh, yeah, this one. So this is just a summary of uh, how we labor in prayer. And uh, in the next 10 minutes or so, we're just going to pray and pray for our church. First thing is from mouth to belly, begin to open up your mouth and begin to speak forth. Some of us have not yet received the gift of tongues. You know, we have the Holy Spirit in us. It's fine, but if you all have, if you all, um, I want to encourage you all, you know, when we gather together as a big body, right, there's a corporate anointing upon us even as we come to pray together. If you haven't spoken for in, in tongues before, you know, I just want to invite you to just begin to have faith and begin to speak in tongues as one of the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, yeah, if you uh, open your mouth, the promise of God in Psalms 81 verse 10 says that open wide your mouth and God will fill it. So begin to consciously speak forth and God will fill it with words. And with time, your vocabulary will increase, your volume will increase. So as, even as we gather and we enter into it, I just want to encourage you with that. Next stage is when we begin to push, use uh, declarations and groans. Uh, there was one time, okay, when I was praying and God led me into a groaning phase. I was embarrassed, I, but I just felt like God wanted me to do a groaning prayer. So I went to the back of the room. I literally went under one of the chairs and I began to groan in prayer. Uh, after that place of groaning, I felt that there was a release, but I really didn't know what it released into. But you know, if God leads you to pray this stage, uh, go ahead and, and groan in prayer. Now, not everyone uh, is ready to, to go to this stage of pushing. You know, if the purposes and plans of your life in your life are not ready to come out, you know, allow God's purpose to incubate in you first. And then when you feel, when the Holy Spirit leads you into it, then you begin to push. Pray until there's a release. So stage three is when you usher into. So this is a lot less intense than the second stage. Uh, give thanks as an act of faith that God will eventually deliver into the physical what He has promised in the Spirit. All right. Can I invite everybody to stand up and, and for the band to come up as well? I believe that this is the time when uh, God wants us to co-work with Him to create, to co-create what this house is going to be for these next five to ten years. And I want to invite everybody to just speak into our church, uh, pray into your own life even.